Hello and welcome to the Stockout. This is the Stockout is your show at Freightwaves about CPG companies, supply chains, and CPG company supply chains. I am your host, Mike Bowdendistel of Freightwaves. I'm an analyst and market expert here at Freightwaves. And uh, what I'm going to do today is uh, talk about one uh, major CPG company that reported earnings uh, yesterday morning. That was uh, the JM Smucker Company, which I, you know, they had some some issues that I think are pretty uh, emblematic of what's happening in the CPG space. So I'll go through that in some detail, uh, particularly the issues uh, related to supply chain and transportation that I think are very applicable to other CPG companies that find their way to uh, FreightWaves.com for their uh, news and information about freight transportation and supply chains. Also, I'll go in depth on uh, the ocean uh, shipping market, which has been um, trying times for uh, ocean shippers here uh, lately. And we just published a report earlier this week uh, titled Ocean Shippers Trapped in House of Pain. Um, And I think that describes it pretty well, where uh, there's lots of uh, factors that are putting pressure on the ocean market uh, for companies trying to get products into the United States from China. A lot of these factors are reinforcing each other in in a positive feedback loop. I'll talk through what's happening there uh, and give you some good data points, uh, you know, many of which are not in sonar, but we are getting from certain uh, suppliers and partners that we have. So I'll walk through some of those things. And I think you'll walk away here uh, with a good understanding of what's happening in the ocean market um, and maybe with some good uh, sort of stats to, to take you know, with you as you, as you plan uh, for the remainder of uh, this year. Um, but before I do that, uh, I'd like to th- take, take, a, take a second to thank our sponsor, our sponsor is NYSHEX. Uh, that's the New York uh, Shipping Exchange. The New York Shipping Exchange, or NYSHEX, is supporting the transformation of container shipping by solving inefficiencies associated with booking downfalls and shipment rollings. To learn more, please visit uh, NYSHEX.com, N-Y-S-H-E-X.com. Um, and I think after hearing the description of what's happening in the ocean uh, uh, market uh, later in the show, I think you'll have a good understanding of the problem that NYSHEX is um, endeavoring to solve here with those shipment rolling. So it really ties nicely into what uh, I'm going to be talking about um, this afternoon. But before we do that, I'm going to talk a little bit about just the, sort of the news item, main news item of the week in uh, CPG industry specifically, and that's uh, cost pressures are uh, causing Smucker, uh, caused Smucker uh, yesterday to cut its guidance. I think most people are familiar with the JM Smucker company. Um, you know they own Folgers, Cafe Bustelos, um, you know the Duncan uh, brands that uh, for coffee that that you get at the the grocery store. So huge in coffee, they're the biggest roaster in the United States. Uh, also big in dog food, and of course, what they're known for the most um, is the jams, jellies, peanut butter, those type of things that we all grew up with. Uh, so this company reported yesterday morning uh, shares was looking at it sort of throughout the day, sort of trended down. You know, anywhere from two to four or five percent. Um, they end up cutting guidance uh, by five percent at the midpoint of their guidance range for earnings. They cut uh, their free cash flow guidance a little bit more than that, about ten percent. Went from nine hundred million to eight hundred million uh, for the year. So still nice uh, cash flow, uh, you know, generator. Um, and really, what's uh, you know happening here is they're seeing uh, you know inflation and actually you know inflation at greater than what had previously been expected. So this was the company's uh, fiscal first quarter of 2022. And, uh, you know, from my days of following publicly traded uh, stocks on the sell side, that companies don't usually cut 
guidance all that often when they report their first quarter. And the reason for that is uh, their fourth quarter and first quarter tend to, you know, be pretty close uh, together. Whereas the fourth quarter, it, it tends to, you know, be a little bit later uh, based on when they, um, you know, uh, you know, have their, their 10K filing. So it's not usually the full three months between when they report their fourth quarter, fourth quarter and when they report their first quarter. So there's only so much that tends to change. I think, you know, here in the CPG industry, a lot has been changing with, you know, degrees of, of, of rates of inflation. And, you know, none of the issues that they were talking about really, let's say, caught them by surprise, but it's really been sort of the magnitude of, of the changes. And, and some of the the more company-specific things would be related to, you know, sourcing uh, uh, coffee from from Brazil. Um, you know, the, the the sort of the cheaper coffee beans for more of the mass market, you know, products like a Folgers. Those do come from Brazil. You know, Brazil's had you know issues with um, you know droughts and growing conditions, so really seeing a lot of inflation there. Um, and then you know also seeing uh, you know inflation for ingredients in in fruit. Uh, from a lot of the, the droughts that are taking place in the western half of the country, those have sort of intent, in, intensified here of of late. You know, didn't intense, anticipate those uh, issues being as big as they uh, had been. Uh, you know, a few months ago, a couple months ago, when the company reported its its fourth quarter. So those have been pretty big issues. Um, have been in, in, in ingredients, and that's been the sort of the biggest component of uh, inflation the company is seeing, and uh, and also seeing you know inefficiencies in supply chains and rising transportation costs, which seem to keep, uh, you know, keep rising um, and, and sort of, uh, you know, in, in an opposite direction is the tender rejection rate. So, you know, we, we look at the tender rejection rates constantly and, and, and freight waves is one of our key products. Um, and it's, 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 you know, clear that you have to look at that in the context of other data series, because it is all relative to uh, the capacity in the marketplace. And we are seeing increases in uh, contract rates. I think we have a, a sonar chart that shows, um, you know, rising, uh, you know, contract rates. Which you know, a company like J.M. Smucker, you know, uses a, con a combination of contract rates and spot rates to to get all their, uh, you know, food products moved and ingredients moved to 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 the to the facilities. And what you see here on the screen is the van contract rates have been rising every quarter. They've been higher than the last and. You know, they've been rising about four or five percent each quarter. So on an annual basis, it's up more like 16, 20 percent. And then you see this additional step up uh, in the, at the beginning of June from about two dollars and fifty cents to two dollars and sixty cents. And that's on top of all these other you know increases. Um, and, and so there really hasn't been any relief for. Uh, shippers that rely heavily on on, on van contracts, those have, have you know repriced higher, um, sort of with each you know with each round. Um, if we want to go to the next chart, we take a look at at spot rates. Um, you know, you know some company like Smucker uses both uh, you know contract rates and spot rates, and these spot rates keep hitting you know seem to keep hitting new highs. And so for those uh, carriers that are not able to um, you know, get their loads covered in the contract market. They're having to rely on these spot rates, and these spot rates are really elevated. Look at that: three dollars and forty-one cents for for you know dry van, and four dollars and eleven cents for reefer. These are nationwide averages, so that's much worse in certain places. A lot of these smaller markets that are that are not as liquid, um, you know, are experiencing you know higher rates than 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 that. Uh, those are way up, uh, you know. Not only where they were, you know, a year or two ago, but but also earlier in, you know, the, the calendar year. And so, 
the, the way that you know a company like Smucker will will break down uh, some of its 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 um, you know cost inflation. I thought they did a pretty good job of, of, of sort of giving you some, some good detail. You know, yesterday is they're experiencing double digit commodity inflation, and that's leading to you know mid single digit uh, uh, inflation in the the rate of cost of goods sold. I'll show in a minute how their cost of goods sold you know breaks down, and that's causing them to increase their prices. Um, in sort of that mid single digit range, so mid single digit price increases not going to you know fully offset the the high single digit you know increase in cost of goods sold. So you are seeing you know margin compression there, um, which I think you're seeing in a lot of the CPG you know companies. A lot of the big CPG companies that I've reported here recently have had uh, earnings that have disappointed uh, you know Wall Street. Um, at least initially. And so if you look at you know, Smucker's results, operating income down 20% on a 6% decline in, in revenue uh, you know, in the quarter. Um, and then a, you know, a big part of that is you know, the, the labor costs are pretty much uh, you know, in, in inflating, but really sort of the, the biggest issue has been a, a lot of the, the, the input costs, you know, as I mentioned, um, and, and sort of as the years progressed, to give you a sense of uh, just how um, you know, in the, the inflation of their inputs has exceeded initial expectations. They had initially expected a mid-single-digit increase in cost of goods sold. Now they're budgeting in that high single high single-digit increase. So if you, if you want to put numbers around that, instead of like four to six percent, we're talking something like seven to to nine percent. Um, you want to take a look at the the JM Smucker company's uh, cost of product sold. You know, breakdown. Um, you know, I appreciate the fact that they, you know, are, are one of the companies that breaks this down. A lot of companies, it's, it's, you know, a little bit nebulous as to, you know, what they're spending. But, you know, freight costs about 8% of their cost of products sold. That's actually not you know, too different than what uh, freight costs are as freight costs and logistics costs are as a percentage of, of GDP. It's sort of in that 8, 9, 10%, you know, range. But you see, you know, ingredients is sort of being the lion's share of that. And so when they, they talk about, you know, in, you know, that the ingredients inflation is the biggest driver. That's largely a function of that's just the biggest component of the cost of goods sold for a CPG company. Uh, you know, labor having a big impact. Contract manufacturing—that's uh, seventeen percent. That's had a big impact um, on the CPG industry over the last year because there's been such a, an increase in people consuming uh, food at home, and it was hard to un to, to sort of gather. Uh, you know, wh whether that's really going to persist, are people going to go back to eating restaurants? It does seem like. Um, the people are are eating at home, uh, you know, more regularly, you know, relative to pre-pandemic levels. You know, people are starting to back off on, you know, going to restaurants, uh, you know, with the the Delta variant, uh, you know, rising here. And I think that's maybe the 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 good news that came out of Smucker's results. You know, yesterday is it's clear that these companies that cater to, the, you know, people who uh, you know work at home, uh, who are eating more meals at home. Uh, you know, that's still, uh, you know, a trend that's persisting. People aren't going, um, you know, to work uh, as, as often, aren't eating out as often, and they actually increased their revenue guidance a, a little bit, now expecting, you know, 2.5%, you know, increase in, in, in revenue, and that's on very difficult comps uh, from a, a year ago. Um, you know, most of that is pricing on, on sort of flat volume, but even flat volume uh, is, is is really strong when you think about what was happening a year ago, where where people were just really loading up on groceries and and not going out, you know, much at all uh, to, to 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 restaurants. So, um, you know, all things considered, I think you know CPG companies in the near term, the results are, are are difficult with with the pricing, you know, not fully offsetting inflation, and then there also is a time lag there where you know the CPG company sees inflation, they um, you know want to raise the price, they do raise the price. 
Um, but then there's a period of time before that sort of fully gets reflected in their agreements with retailers and it's on, you know, store shelves. And so, you know, a company like Smucker, they mentioned that, you know, now their, their price increases are on uh, store shelves were as of, you know, a month or two ago. Um, but that, you know, there's a lag there between when they actually started to see the, that next step up in, in inflation. So, you know, not a lot of, uh, you know, relief there um, you know, on the uh, inflation side for most CPG companies, I think was the biggest takeaway uh, from Smucker's results uh, yesterday. Uh, topic number two, uh, and, and really sort of the, the main focus of this show, uh, ocean shippers are trapped in a house of pain. You know, that was the title of our latest uh, passport uh, uh, report that, you know, I wrote along with my colleagues, uh, Tony Mulvey and, and Jared Cashmar. Um, you know, Jared uh, has come up to speed nicely on uh, understanding the, the ocean, you know, market. And uh, for anyone interested and would like to see this full 10-page report, uh, you know, please uh, go to the Freightwave Sonar blog. If you just type in the Google Freightwave Sonar blog, it's the first thing that comes up. And this, because it's the most recent report, this ocean shippers trapped in House of Pain will be the the, the most uh, you know, report right at the top. So um, you can see a, a, a you know, graphic of, of what that, that report you know looks like. Um, you know, we go through a bunch of uh, you know uh, data points, some of which are in. Um, the you know sonar products, some of which are not yet in the sonar product, and uh, some of the big takeaways there is there's lots of different factors that are causing the tightness in, you know on the ocean, and a lot of those are just really reinforcing each other. And I'll uh, you know walk through some of those here. Um, is is you have this historically high you know U.S. import volume. Now our ocean. Uh, Shipper, um, you know, ocean analysts uh, that that write for the uh, FreightWaves.com uh, website. Um, they've done a nice job of describing that the container boom right now is really concentrated in uh, the lane, uh, you know, China to the U.S. It's not a global boom; it's a U.S. import boom, and sort of that's you know important to to understand. And then sort of beyond that, um, you know, really it's a, it's a capacity situation more than a demand situation. If you sort of compare what's happening with volumes versus rates, you have volumes up, up something like 18% with ocean rates up something like 200, you know, percent. So it's, it's, you know, driven more by, you know, capacity and, uh, you know, these, what, what's happening with capacity is, um, you know, China is, you know, far and away the biggest, you know, ocean, you know, trading partner, um, you know, with the U S and you've had, you know, various terminal shutdowns in uh, the Chinese ports. This latest one was in the port of Ningbo, which is not far from Shanghai. And you've seen diversions from, you know, uh, vessels from the port of, uh, of, of Ningbo to the port of Shanghai, I mean, the diversions of containers. So that one's been back, you know, have had backups there too. Um, you know, and, and really the Chinese are taking a zero tolerance policy for, for COVID spread. So, you know, now the um, that shutdown is sort of back up and running, but you know, as of as of Wednesday, but there's still you know backlogs there. Um, it's going to be a period of time, a couple few weeks before it's really sort of firing on all cylinders, and so that's important not just because of the near term disruption, but really it's causing ocean carriers to accept as much freight as possible in anticipation of additional um, you know shutdowns and delays. And I think we have a chart you know, there on the, the bookings and arena uh, you know, rejection rates. And, you know, what that shows is that the rejection, you know, rates, um, if we can get put the, the, the graphic up there, are, there, there it is. You know, normally, uh, you know, ocean carrier, um, you know, will reject something like, if you look at the, the chart on the right, 
you know, up, reject, you know, so, you know, something like 20% of the requests for capacity on a vessel just because they figure, okay, we're not going to have that space on the vessel. Uh, you know, lately it's been the first time we've seen in that data them reject uh, fewer than 10% of uh, loads. And now it's really closer to 5%. So these ocean carriers are trying to accept as much freight as possible. They want to get these containers, you know, loaded fully and, you know, departed as quick as possible in anticipation because you just never know when there's going to be a COVID outbreak at one of these Chinese facilities. You know, they're working close together. You know, government's taking a, a really hard line approach, you know, to that. Um, and, you know, you also see the average lead time you know, rising uh, to 20 days, typically it's more like 10 days. So that's an indicator that the shippers are concerned about, you know, that capacity. So you have, you know, shippers, you know, asking for capacity well in advance, the the carriers accepting it well in advance, and that's leading to um, the the carriers accepting just way too much freight, more so than they can, they they actually know, you know, what to do with. And we have another uh, you know, chart that we get from uh, Project 44, which shows uh, the rollover, you know, percentage, um, you know, from the port of uh, Shanghai, and 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 really some of the stats on the roll rollover percentage, I think, are pretty, you know, significant. Um, so, what what a rollover is in in the world of ocean freight is, you basically a shipper has an agreement with you know books a load with uh, you know a, 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 a ocean vessel. That they're going to have that spot, um, you know, on the ocean vessel, and it's it's almost like a, a rejection, but keeping it in the system where the the carrier doesn't have uh, the capacity to move that uh, you know container, and it gets rolled or pushed to another uh, uh, sailing that takes place later. Well, what's happening is it's getting it's getting rolled from one sailing to the next sailing, and then going from that sailing to the next sailing. So we look at what's happening there at the port of uh, you know Shanghai. You know, typically that rollover percentage. You go back to 2019. You know, something like 15, 20 percent. Occasionally, it would, it would spike up to 40 percent, then go back down to 15 or 20 percent. Uh, that's something that's maybe more manageable. Uh, but there, um, you know, lately it's been right around 50 percent. So about one out of two containers is being pushed to subsequent vessels. And you know, most of the time, it's it's not just the the very next uh, you know vessel that's you know departing. And it has to be the same a vessel from that same uh, ocean liner. Um, you know ocean uh, you know liner within the alliance and you know a lot of times it's getting pushed multiple times and so it's it's a it's a difficult situation for carriers if we look you know overall at, at across 30 major ports it's like a 42 percent um you know uh, rolling rollover percentage up from 30 percent last year and 23 percent two years ago so the, the shippers i think are you know very frustrated very nervous that their, their goods are going to get um you know to the u.s in time for holiday shopping season i think there's some that have already missed the uh, sort of the back to school, uh, you know, shopping season. Um, and, and you see those rollover percentage uh, on the top really sort of rising right in line with the Drury World Container Index. And so those, those higher rollover percentages are giving rise to higher, um, you know, ocean shipping rates. And so the ocean, higher ocean shipping rates have caused uh, a divergence of capacity from a lot of lanes around the world, a lot of ocean lanes around the world, to this core lane from, the, from China to the U.S., these eastbound uh, trans-Pacific lane. And, um, you know, that makes sense. That's, that's where the money is right now. That's, um, so so the, the, the ocean liners are, are chasing those higher rates. And in some cases, you've seen 
you know, rates that are a multiple of, 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 of what's typical, um, but that is leading to additional, you know, issues, um, you know, with congestion, you know, at the, at the Chinese ports, but really in particular at the ports uh, in Southern California. And so have, have one more chart um, that, you know, is, was outside of Sonar on, on booked vessels that shows a number of booked vessels from China to uh, Los Angeles and, and, and Long Beach, if we can, you know, put that up. And, and, and basically what's, what's happened there is a number of booked vessels from, uh, from, from China to LA Long Beach, you know, has gone from about 35 to 40 a day uh, to about 50 a day. And then you go back two years ago, it was less than 50. And so you see this sort of straight shot up, uh, you know, sort of daily, you know, booked vessels in, in, in blue and sort of that trend and in, in, in red there. And so there's just been a, a greater volume of booked vessels in that lane from China to uh, LA Long Beach. Um, and, uh, you know, LA Long Beach, it's caused a tremendous amount of congestion there. And we've talked about this for some time. And I can tell you, it's not getting any better. Uh, back in January, we we're talking about 40 uh, you know, vessels at anchor. And the latest, uh, as of yesterday, is 42 anchors at vessels. So, so, you know, broke their own record. You know, in the San uh, Pedro uh, Bay um, that the LA, ports of LA and Long Beach, you know, share, um, and it's really significant that the U.S. ports are some of the least efficient ports in the world. So throughput is an issue at at, at, at those areas, and so the average wait time um, is about eight days, eight or nine days. You know, once the 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 vessel you know gets to um, you know gets to that uh, to the U.S. and at, at anchor, and so. You know, and that's after a two-week trip. So, you know, if I'm a you know, ocean shipper, you're getting your vessel, your your containers rolled from one vessel to the next vessel to the next vessel. Those finally take the two-week trip to LA, and then they sit in the port at anchor for another eight days, and then you know, you enters the the congested, you know, port, and you know, God knows how long they sit, you know, at a port or a warehouse before you can get the capacity to get to move those to the final destination. So you can see why there's all these you know constraints here and all these things i really think are are are, are sort of playing on each other um you know one uh, we've heard various estimates for how much capacity those um you know, that congestion at the u.s port is ports are taking out of the ocean shipping market and you know some estimates have have, have ranged from you know 10 percent to 25 percent so those those uh delays are, are really taking a lot of capacity out you know actually pushing up the the rates, you know, even even higher. Um, so as these things are sort of reinforcing each other, it's hard to, you know, see, you know, what's going to cause, um, you know, everything to get cleaned up. I think, you know, well into next year, we're going to see these uh, the tightness in, uh, you know, ocean ocean rates. I think, uh, you know, the the question of whether, you know, Christmas is going to be you know, canceled. You know, when you look at the one of the articles that was posted on FreightWaves.com recently, um, I, I do think there's going to be people who don't get what they want until uh, you know at some point, uh, you know, next you know next year, and it sort of leads to this question of you know what would I do if I'm a if I'm a shipper if I'm a consumer goods company and I need you know capacity that you know gets into the U.S. I mean, you could try something like uh, you know NYSHEX, which is, is is attempting to alleviate that problem by having uh, capacity that's you know guaranteed and, and have uh, contracts that actually have teeth, um, and that's really part of the the, the issue for for shippers is uh, you know the, these uh, contracts in transportation typically do not have a lot of teeth, and and once the the ocean carrier has 
you know, control over uh, the, the containers. Um, you know, they can do with it sort of what they will, you know, very concentrated industry there, not a lot of recourse, you know, for shippers, the way contracts are, you know, typically structured. Um, you know, another thing a shipper could do would be work with a uh, large ocean, um, you know, forwarder broker that, 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 you know, has access to that capacity, which would be someone like an expediter, sort of, you know, one of these you know, mega um, you know, companies that, 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 that deals in, in huge amounts of, uh, you know, you know, buys so much capacity that they actually have, have access to it. I mean, there is going to be, um, you know, pay a premium for, for that capacity, but I think for, for time sensitive, you know, shipments, um, you know, that's maybe a good, you know, option, uh, you know, there, um, and sort of as far as, you know, how long will this persist? Um, you know, I think it's it's going to be a period of time. I mean, you really do see that uh, U.S. Uh, you know, consumer uh, spending still at an elevated level. Uh, you know, inventories are still at a level that's depleted um, and still have a ways to go before those are replenished. And, and, and really some of the, one of the ways that um, heard Flexport talk about this recently, and they, they basically said that, you know, a lot of these, uh, we, we know that there's going to be an elevated level of volume coming into the ports of L.A., you know, Long Beach, because a lot of those orders have already been placed. And so it's almost like, you know, having to repay a debt to get those, uh, those goods, you know, in, in, in into the U.S. So, um, you know, that's really uh, sort of the highlights of, of, of that report. Uh, not a lot of good news to share uh, for, um, you know, ocean uh, shippers and some of the, the data points that we're going to be looking at are, um, you know, the, the, the bookings, you know, as they are booked, uh, you know, from China, we're going to look at that data closely to see, you know, when things are going to start to be alleviated. We're going to look at a lot of these spot rates that we have access to uh, on the ocean. Those change every day. So, you know, we're, we're looking at those every day to, to see, you know, when uh, those are going to crack to indicate that uh, the congestion and, um, you know, o- ocean capacity crunch is going to be, you know, alleviated. Um, but until then, you know, to really don't, you know, see a lot of evidence of that. Um, would reiterate if you'd like to check out that uh, report, uh, just go to uh, the FreightWaves Sonar blog. You know, type that in and check out the Ocean Shippers um, in House of Pain. You know, reports. And for those that are not already signed up for the Stockout newsletter, that want a twice weekly um, you know newsletter summary. You know, some commentary. I try to throw some data in there that you know we have access to. That's really our competitive advantage at FreightWaves is our access to, to, to data. If you like that Stockout newsletter, uh, please go to uh, www.freightwaves.com forward slash the Stockout um, and sign up for that. Um, happy to have you as part of the Stockout community. Um, but with that, um, that's really what I wanted to go over today. And feel free to reach out to me if you have any comments or um, want to discuss any of these things. You know, I can be reached at m. Um, Bowden Distal at FreightWaves.com. And uh, with that, hope everyone has a great weekend.